everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of It's a Debate. Um, if this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast that we put together, seven friends from the illustrious Howard University. Thank you. We got together and during the pandemic, we just could not stop debating each other on House Party about different topics. And now here we are coming to you live with our topics. Now in this, <laughs> in this podcast, we pick different topics and we cannot choose whether we are arguing the affirmative or the opposing side. And we may not always agree with the side that we are arguing. So let's start off with introductions. Who do we have on today's episode? Yo, 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 yo. Hey, everybody, it's Alex. All <laughs> right, <laughs> the bandana had me feeling a little frisky. My bad, y'all, my bad. I'm Alex. Oh, okay. <laughs> too much, too much. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> You know what's sad? Y'all are all super sober. This is you. This is your regular. This is regular. <laughs> this is how y'all know this is real. Like we didn't make this friendship thing up. Like we, this is truly just us. We don't know how to behave. All right. Each other. Back to the intros. Hey y'all. Should we start over? <laughs> nope. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> One more time. I don't think we heard you. I'm Lindsay. <laughs> I'm olive oil. <laughs> You're what? Olive oil? <laughs> I'm Paige. I'm Paige. Hi. <laughs> and I'm Tiani. And I'm your host today, Alana. Um, I know we said we are seven friends, but we are down two people. Um, Tenna and Christy are not here. Um, but you guys will be missed and wait till you hear this foolish episode that you are missing. Um, <laughs> All right. So let's jump in. Right. We have no adult supervision. <laughs> let's jump in with the hot topic. You know what season it is. Homecoming. First in town. You know All right, y'all. So we're going to be talking about homecoming in this episode of Hot Topics. And I want to know, don't be biased. Who has the best homecoming? Mm. Lay it on out for us. Mm. May I? Please. I don't know many cultural social references to any other homecoming than one. Okay. Um. So I'm going to go ahead on and say that Howard University is the best homecoming. Now, let me back that up because I love to play the game called Drake Claims photo. of Evidence. Um, Q Drake photo. Um, Q any Diddy photo. We've had a number of people come. Uh, Q the Ludacris song where I wouldn't miss the homecoming at Howard. Um, Hello. What really makes homecoming is your environment, and DC is such a magnificent cultural festival that, like, I mean, uh, it's amazing. You you can't top it. Now, are the hotels two hundred dollars a night? Absolutely, but you know what I'm saying. It's still it's worth it's worth you getting the bang for the buck. DC has some of the best brunches and best restaurants. 
um, all of our DJs come back. And again, no offense to any other, you know, school, but we have some of the best DJs. You, you may Google this. You may Google this. We have some of the best DJs in the world. Um, we are also many, many alpha chapters of Greek life. So you're going to have people who did not even attend our school coming down just to be with their alpha chapter. Um, my particular sorority is not an alpha chapter, but we are celebrating 100 years, and there will be a few um, different Come chapters. On, you know, the uh, illustrious St. McGamero Sorority Incorporated at homecoming this year. We will be doing a big shebang on the yard. Stay tuned. But it, it, it really isn't close. It's not a discussion. Your country cousins from wherever are going to claim that other people have maybe the greatest homecoming on earth, <laughs> something like that. But mm, oh. stop, it. stop it. It's not that at all. And we do appreciate you for participating in this contest, but you lose. <laughs> Yo. Not the contest. It wasn't just shots fired. That was a shotgun. Okay. <laughs> that was a sawed off shotgun. We should go ahead and Please. <laughs> well, guys, and that wraps up our hot topic. <laughs> There's nothing else to be said. I don't know anything else. Uh, that's you hilarious. know what? I appreciate that breakdown, Tiani, because I actually was, as y'all know, my husband went to AMT, which is unfortunate, but um, he is a great person deep down inside. Don't judge him on that. Um, anyway, a lot of, you know, people that we know from his side of friends also attended AMT. And so um, one of his couple friends, we, I met them a couple years ago. We all went out to Utah for a ski trip, which was dope. Um, but they now live in Georgia. They moved back to Georgia. So we went out and hung out with them one night. Um, it was just a bunch of friends hanging out at their house. And so it was a couple of AMT people sprinkled in, but a couple of their neighbors too, just Young black people kicking it, having a good time. And um, so their cousin was letting me know, like pretty much their whole family went to A&T. Um, and she was like, but I really want to know, like, is Howard's homecoming as hype as people talk about? And I said, for you to ask that, that means you need to go, sis. Because I mean, okay. So I've been to, and this topic is really about A&T and Howard, because they're the only ones who think they can compete, right? So um, <clears throat> A&T, their homecoming is cute. I'll give y'all that, right? Because their football team is good. You know, you might actually win your homecoming game. No shade, Howard. Um, their band is going to give you a little boop, boop, boop. You know what I mean? A nice little throwback <laughs> song and stuff like that. It's real cute. And I appreciate that. You know what I mean? You've given the homecoming vibe. You're down south. So you get that Southern hospitality. Baby, you gonna get fried fish. Whether you know somebody who's cooking at the tent or not, they gonna feed you, okay? So that's where they get another little point or two. You know what I mean? But after that, that's all they got. That's after, all they got. After, after the football game and after y'all feed me. Yeah. That's, you got fried that's, fish at the house. That's what they call G-Ho, okay? Fish. That's what they call G-Ho. They will feed you and they will give you a good football game. But that's it, you know? So I'm just waiting for the additional points to be made on their end as to why they are the greatest. So, yeah, that's all I got. So 
I want to chime in as someone mm-hmm. I'm from North Carolina, someone who got, grew up going to Auntie's homecoming many, many years as a child. Um, Central's too. Shout out to NCCU, um, which is where I got my love for HBCUs. And then, of course, I went to the and graduated because that's key from the illustrious Howard University. And so, what I want to make it clear: homecoming is in itself a time for alumni to come home. Now, I want to make that clear because I've had conversations with people who have attended Howard's homecoming and said they didn't have fun. Here's the thing. You don't just go to events that you don't know anybody at. It is homecoming. So no, you don't just pop up on campus and you don't know nobody. It's not fun. You know, we have fun. We bring people and they have fun. You need to come home. You're a stranger. It's not for you. Um, and I agree That's with okay. Alana. a t will absolutely, the tailgate, completely different setup. D.C. and Greensboro are not the same cities. Like from a landscape standpoint, D.C. just doesn't have the square footage. So no, we don't have an anti tailgate. So no, you're not going to get a, like 50 people frying fish and grilling and all that. Yes, you'll get a, you'll definitely get fed at anti homecoming. No hands, hands down. You'll probably get a good football game, hands down. But the culture, the experience, <clears throat> fact, a young black lady who didn't even go to Howard University literally has a modeling career from one photo being present at our tailgate. Mm-hmm. it's a cultural experience like it is a because we're a smaller campus there's not there's probably half the people that are anti just because from a ge- geographical standpoint we can't have all those people but the quality the level yeah. of excellence you're going to be walking past people who are nationally known i have classmates who have national wine brands who are nike djs like yard runners shout out to jay Mark who DJ on Apple Music, shout out to Chubby. I have, who have brands at Target nationally. Mm, speak on people it. People you're going to be walking past, congregating with, dapping up, drinking with. It's just, it's an experience. It really is. It is like truly a melting pot of black excellence that cannot be beat. And that's just what it is. We all family when we get there. Just join the vibe. Just join the vibe. Um, you guys basically covered it um and I was gonna bring up the point that Alex made about people coming and not really having fun Mm -hmm. but the fact is you wanted to come right okay (laughs) my dad went to an HBCU and has never said we should take a trip (laughs) I know plenty of people that went to FAMU, Virginia State, Norfolk State, Lincoln University, the list goes on. Don't know nothing about their homecoming and don't want to find out. <laughs> I'll leave it there. I'm good. Um, so for me, uh, I've been to two other HBC homecomings. Spellhouse, um, interesting, interesting by um, I do love their tailgate setup, but once again, DC, that's not DC. I've been to FAMU's homecoming. Hot as hell. I was going to ask, has <laughs> anybody been to FAMU? <laughs> Hot as hell. As hell. 
And you know, because you're used to going to Howard, you come for the fashions, right? When you when you know you want a homecoming, you in the textbook like, uh uh, what we wearing? What we, drop the links, drop the pictures. Out. out. Well, you know, I'm trying to find cash on this day. We gonna wear what? I gotta see the dress. What you wear to the club? What? Right. So I tried to do that at FAMU, and I was just very uncomfortable because it's still summer there. Okay. <laughs> so it didn't quite work out. But I must say, the more family people I'm getting to know, right? It goes back to knowing people. Then you have a better experience when you go to their home. Yeah, that's right. As my other counterparts have already said, there ain't nothing, nothing like a Howard homecoming. My best memory is I think it was my first year back. Y'all were still in school. And I want to say Paige lived in the towers still. <laughs> um, they were still in school even though I graduated, but they didn't want to make well, I am younger than you guys, so this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly. That was when Drake came. It's so funny. People be so, Google is accessible to anybody. They was like, I didn't know Drake went to Howard. Nigga, he did not go to Howard. That was stupid. Okay. But that, it rained that day. I think we mm-hmm. ran into Douglas, hanging out the windows, watching the whole concert. Nobody left that yard. That day is pouring down rain and Drake brought it was up so everybody. Packed. I mean, everybody. Yeah, I was there that day. He just kept P. bringing. I, two chains. And it was Mind like, you, free, I, by I believe the way. These... This is all for free. This yeah. is all for you just free. Gotta the Fest is free. And, and I up. believe they perform for free as well. Yes. So that was like, and just to go back home and eat the food you used to eat in, you know. Down at the Ho-Chi. Down at the Ho-Chi. Oh, man, I want some Ho-Chi, mambo sauce. But yeah, Damn. I mean, ain't nothing like it. It's I can speak on that. For sure. I want to just, to throw in there, there's also just nothing quite like a Howard University alum. Like, we're just built different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. Like, I get it. Everybody wants to hate us so bad. And I get it. I get it. Like, if I was me, I would hate me. I would, too. <laughs> I would hate me, too. I completely get it. Um, and so that's why, you know, we, we don't argue with that other school. Because why? 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 There's so many schools that want to argue with us. But when we bring facts, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. You know, that other institute that says want to argue with us. So it's like the facts are the facts, you know, so. You can't I even say their name because don't nobody include them. In the uh, no, so. I, that's, that's not even, that's not even worth bringing up. But yeah, I get it. Very cute. Yeah. It's okay. I get it, I get it. Shout out to the Mecca. Shout out to the Mecca. Shout out to the, oh. the Mecca, all that. <laughs> country is All that. <laughs> Hey, country cousins, what's the you say? Your country cousins? Yo, our country comments cousins. are going to be destroyed. <laughs> In shambles. Oh, man. Oh, I got nothing but love for the Maggies. I'm not even going for it. I got nothing but love. I mean, the facts are the facts, but I love y'all. The dusty, dirty Abby. I hope they took his outfit to clean it. <laughs> I'm so glad Alana has headphones in. Headphones in. <laughs> because because we would have. Oh, that's like three times. If we don't get we out of the frame, <laughs> we love you, man. And he got his own too, so it don't matter. Okay. All right. 
Ooh, don't let him listen to this episode. It's, it's half <laughs> Oh, and he he is our loyal fan, y'all. If y'all get an Atlanta play, he gonna be like really Atlanta. He's definitely a queen. He's All love over here. All love. Shout out to my Abby's. All right, y'all. So now we're gonna jump in. I have a I have a cocktail. Patient has a cocktail. With the spirit of homecoming. Stay hydrated, my friend. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Ways to not get coming. Another piece of advice for my homecoming goers. Don't take a nap. What did you think? Do not take a nap. Because that's it. That's it's it. It's a marathon. You can slow down, but you cannot quit. So another thing that I, I another thing that I think we should, ways to avoid the hangover. Like whatever, look up some. All right. Like I'm not a drinker, so I don't really know. But so I heard through the grapevine that that BC powder, if you take it beforehand, it works. But I don't know for sure because I don't, I don't do BC powder or alcohol, but. I heard there are many ways for you to avoid this hangover because if you're hungover from Friday on Saturday or from Thursday, you can't even really enjoy the next day. So, because you might be like some people and then be in bed till 3 p.m. the next day. You don't want that. You don't want that at all. So what you want to do is be able to maximize your fun by preventing your hangovers. Well, if you are going to homecoming and Lindsay is present in your household, y'all ain't staying in bed. Lindsay's going to be like, uh-uh, get up. Shop time to go. Because I know once I hit the sheet, she'll keep you on point. We going to bed and we going to be a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah, ain't no drink bad. water, guys. Like, don't just, you need to drink before, but like you need to be drinking water throughout the day. So fun fact from the Crafted Soul. It takes an hour for your body to metabolize one alcoholic drink. So that's an ounce and a half of liquor. It takes an hour. So when you drink three drinks and you know at one time, it's taking three hours for your body to break that down. Yeah. So pace yourself. It's a marathon. Drink water in between. Okay. So if you keep the fluids in, you're helping your body break it down. But um, I was, if you're of a particular age, you know, we, we are of a particular age, maybe stay away from shots. That's not a good idea. You know, Sounds like so. drink, drink, but also stay away. Okay. This is a public service announcement for the young alum, young alum, <laughs> stay the hell away from them Greek men's drinks, Greek? stay away from that Q oil, stay oh. away from that blue shit that the sigmas have whatever the red shit the kappas have stay away from it, it why, has, I mean, you only live once but why, you really gotta make sure you bought that life why when you say greek i'm thinking olives and feta cheese <laughs> <laughs> from the greek in the group absolutely the not stay away absolutely. from the fraternities okay because there is an ignorant amount of sugar and alcohol in those drinks and you will be sick and this is coming from personal experience personal experience <laughs> Oh, you all put a girl down, okay? Put oh. me down, and I don't even think I had a whole cup of it, okay? Stay away from them. Stay away from them. 
Don't let them lie to you about being a wholesome man. It's a lie. That cap of punch be hitting though. I ain't gonna lie. That cap of punch. Don't want a woman married to a cap They not shoulders. She got that cap of punch still in her damn bloodstream. Don't listen to her. Clearly, it worked on her. She married him. Clearly, background right now. Don't let. Don't listen to me. She got a cap of husband. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Peace. Stay away. But if you would have asked me in college if I would have ended up with a cap, <laughs> Alice can tell you. Okay, okay, we're off time. We're going off subject. I'm about to say we get okay. into your You're really gonna be line. In All right, <laughs> that was gonna be it. <laughs> it's about to be for real in trouble. We not we not doing this. You need to go see the chiropractor. What's these shoulders? <laughs> Alex, you got a lot to cut out of this episode, okay? But she has to edit this episode specifically because she was a part of the foolishness, so she can't even really be mad. Well, all right. It is going to be so your ass. You're like, what's that, Alana? I so here we are. Now it is time to debate. All right. So today's topic is black cocoon. Okay. And for those of y'all that do not know what that means, here's a little background. So we will be, this debate will be centered around black people being raised in environments that are predominantly black. <laughs> Like, we don't have to interact with white folks, okay? And there are people who have grown up in communities and then continue on to even attend HBCUs. But either way, we're focusing on this predominantly Black community. Cool. All right. So, in today's debate... (laughs) All right. So... Today's topic is Black Cocoon. And so the question is, is it beneficial to grow up in an environment that is exclusive of other races? All right. Our debaters today in the affirmative, we have Tiani. And on the opposing side, we have Alex. Ladies, are y'all ready to go? Yes. Awesome. We'll start with Tiani. All right. Before I get too deep in it, I want to clarify what I am saying and what I'm not saying. So I'm going to start there. What I am saying is that when you intentionally raise your children in a predominantly Black environment, it is better for their self-esteem, self-identity, and self-development. What I am not saying right, and I'm going to say that again, what I am not saying, I'm not saying that you should not equip your child to thrive in the world that is multicultural. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying you should not start there, all right? So um, child development starts at a very early age, and it actually continues all the way to the age of 25. What I'm saying is for the first few 15 to 18 years, You need to take your child and be intentional about how you raise them. I think you should, and I do believe it's genuinely beneficial to, if religion is your thing, 
no matter what your religion is, put them in a black church. Um, black church not only explains whatever religion you believe, but it actually shows you how to, um, one, learn. So a lot of people had a different experience of learning and teaching outside of school in church through Sunday school, vacation Bible school, et cetera, et cetera. It, it actually helps your child's learning ability because they get extended learning. Also through the church, your child has many opportunities to do things, especially if you go to a black church to step, to dance, to sing, to find different ways to express themselves. Uh, public speaking is a personal skill that I picked up. My church is very strong very small so we me and my brother found ourselves on program a lot i have zero problems speaking in front of a crowd of any size due to my public speaking skills you're right Lindsay? Never mind. um in addition to a black church a black school the reason why we need black schools or that you should send your children to black schools is what you fail to realize is many of your child's white teachers are karens and I'm not saying they're doing that intentionally. They just think of your child differently and so they teach your child differently. There is a couple of research uh, articles that I've found. Um, one main one from Temple University that white teachers have lower expectations for black students. You don't have that problem at a black school. You don't. Because black children, black teachers view black children as people, no offense. Um, also a black neighborhood. Now, um, a black neighborhood can look many different ways because black is different, but a black neighborhood allows your child to be themselves freely in their own environment, to be safe at home. That is important. To feel safe at home is very important to a child's self-esteem and self-identity. I use the word intentionally because I do understand that there are people who due to uh, socioeconomic status or just due to the region that they live in, they actually end up raising their children in a cocoon. But if you are not raising your children in a cocoon intentionally, i.e. reinforcing that you are a culture and not just a fringe of a European culture or the fringe of an American culture, that you are the central character in your own story, then it won't come out the same. The result will not be the same. So that, that's my introduction of an argument. Um, a black church, a black school in a black neighborhood will greatly benefit any black child. All right, thank you, Kiari. Next, Alex. All right, so um, my counterpart is arguing um, in, in pro, in, favor, excuse me, in favor of this black cocoon, black schools, black neighborhoods, black churches. Mm -hmm. And in the year 2022, I have to say, unfortunately, those predominantly black areas in the majority of this country are not equal. There is not this separate but equal mentality that actually goes on. And I fear that's what she's describing is a utopian mindset, but not actually the reality. Case in point. 72.4%, and this is from an article actually from Temple as well, um, out of 2020, um, of Black students are, economic, are in economically segregated schools. This leads to reduction of access to good teachers, resources. Um, it doesn't present these children with a level playing field. 
Um, and then when you look at neighborhoods, most, um, the majority of black people in this country are living in neighborhoods that are social, that are social, there's where their social economic status is lower than the majority of the country. Um, they are experiencing a reduction in overall resources. Schools are underfunded. They have lack of access to full service grocery stores. Um, they have lack of access to safe playgrounds, safe parks. Um, they don't have reliable transportation, don't have reliable health care. Um, all of these things are um, factoring in to the overall well-being of this child. Um, there is a correlation between the low test scores and low math scores for Black students in relation to the areas that they live in. Um, and this is not necessarily the fault of Black people. This is a political battle that we're fighting when you look at um, zoning laws and redlining effects that have happened, you know, hundreds of years ago that are still taking an effect to us now, it has affected these Black neighborhoods. And so while the mindset that we can all grow up in these Black environments that are safe and protected, that might be the case in, in small segments in certain areas, but the majority of the country doesn't have that privilege where they are able to live in Black insulated environments that still give them the same resources, same access, same safety and protection that other neighborhoods do. I'm not against the idea of Black cultures and Black people impressing this love and growth and safety on our Black children, but the reality is, is that if we step outside of our cocoon into the other areas of the world that happen to be maybe white spaces, we it effectively um, become a commitment to ourselves because we don't offer our children the same opportunities or access to other things that may require stepping outside of our black cocoon and comfort zone and safety zone. So that's my intro. All right. Valid points made on both ends. Tiani, what you got to say? rebuttal time um what i heard was um not realistic less resources underfunded schools unreliable health care and um not the same safety gonna knock those down one at a time in reverse um black neighborhoods are safer for black kids because it would be less racism um and that's really the point for all of those i happy that she brought up healthcare because my God, the dangers of healthcare to black people is absolutely insane. If you look at any actual medical data, they have variables that literally account for that black, the fact that they genuinely believe and have done experiments on the fact that black people can tolerate more pain. So I, I, I see what you're saying. But I would rather be what you imagine to be safety in, in other people, which is a beautiful and trusting place because I just, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Even in our underfunded schools, we still end up in the same universities, if not a better university. Even in our underfunded, less resourceful schools, we are still the majority of the NFL, the majority of the college football teams, majority, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not seeing it. I do know that there are backwoods towns um, of Black people, but I, there's also those same backwoods towns of white people with less resources, underfunded schools, unreliable health care, and, and, and they are not good places for anybody. Um, I don't think the idea here is to genuinely avoid racism because you can't. The idea here 
is to build what you can while you can. Like you have 10 to 15 years of development before you have to put them in a number of dangerous situations on a daily basis. And if you can get them for just those 10 to 15 years, like this is how people should treat you. This is how people shouldn't treat you. If you go to the doctor and they're not listening to you, I know better. I know other doctors. There are black doctors in that field. There are, you know, black schools that are underfunded, but still produce. I, I just, I see, I hear what you're saying. I do, but I, I think, I think it's worth the risk personally. Okay. So um, I too hear what my counterpart is saying, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying that I don't think it's worth the risk, and I don't think that it is a good thought process. I think what I'm saying is that we also have to take into fact the reality of the world that we live in. Um, I think ultimately the idea and the mindset of having your family and your children raised in this Black cocoon and this um, beautiful society where we can go to black doctors and we can have black educators and we can, you know, have someone who cares for us, which is a reason I went to an HBCU, someone who sees you as a person. I think that's an amazing idea, but I think we can't take out the fact of the reality is that undertones of these black neighborhoods and things above that socioeconomics and um, financial resources and availability things is really the thing that's kind of holding us back. So let's talk about the healthcare. Yes, we see the statistics of Black women being ignored by doctors, specifically pregnant Black women, about pain because effectively they don't see us as human. Um, and so they kind of negate our pain. And so, yes, it would be much better to go see a Black doctor, maybe specifically a Black female doctor who sees you as a person and has more of empathy for you and recognizes your pain. But the reality is how much access is there for the majority of this country to these Black doctors? Um, it's not widely spread. And so it's not an issue of we don't want to see the black doctors. We don't black doctors. We don't necessarily have access to these black doctors. Um, schools, yes, there are students who come out of underfunded schools and do amazing things and still excel, but the majority of them don't because they don't have the right textbooks. They don't have the resources to teach them the things they don't, and they might not have. You know, there aren't a lot of you know high level educators going to schools that are low funded. They want to teach at the higher funded schools. They want to have access and resources to these things. And so, you know, even if your kids are going to these schools in these black neighborhoods, which from a political standpoint have become underfunded because the government's not caring and not giving them the same resources they're giving to the next neighborhood that is a little more affluent than yours, your kids aren't getting the updated textbooks. They're not getting teachers who actually care, who stick around long enough to build those relationships with these kids. And so you're, they're still not getting the same access and the same opportunities. Um, and then when you look at a standpoint of the violence and crime, which you brought up, yes, kids in a sense, when they're in a insulated neighborhood that is just black, they're not necessarily having to deal with the ideas or the um, issues of racism and the violence that is assumed with that. But the other side of that is that we get a lot of violence in black neighborhoods because a lot of people in those neighborhoods lack. And so when you're in a 
uh, environment where you're lacking and you don't have access to things and you're constantly struggling, it puts a strain on you that makes you want to take steps where you have to, you know, you have to do whatever you have to do to survive. And that's what a lot of times leads to that violence. Also, those neighborhoods tend to be over, um, uh, overwatch, not overwatch, not the right word, but they tend to be more regulated by cop presence, which I'm not going to get too deep into the whole cop thing, but a lot of times there's this mentality of you have these black communities, they're low funded, they're maybe poor areas, and now it's got this high presence of police. And so now you're putting your kids at even more risk because there's all these cops all over the place because they have this ideal. So again, I'm not saying that the idea of a black cocoon is not a good idea. I'm just saying that we also have to take in effect the reality of whether that's actually possible for the majority of the country right now. Oh, yeah. right. We didn't need just your comments. Okay. You're not a debater today. All right. Thank you. Now, just to recap before we get into final comments, okay, to make sure me and the audience is following along correctly. On the affirmative side, we have look, we need to stick in our circles. You know what I mean? Black schools, black churches, black neighborhoods. We don't need the whites infiltrating, okay? Not that those were quotes, but I'm just giving the people what they need, okay? Also, interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, on the opposing side, we're saying, yeah, that's cute and all, but what is the reality of these Black cocoons in the United States as a whole? Not in these small pockets. But as a whole, how is this feasible? Any final comments? Kiani, it's on you, boo. So um, as opposed to the realistic thing, I guess I'm not seeing that only because every major city I've ever lived in had Black doctors and Black lawyers. We've gone to many schools, and we also discussed many HBCUs that produce Black, do black doctors, Black lawyers. Black teachers, and I'm not saying they, you know, like, you know, any better than their white counterparts, but I'm not seeing the access problem. Um, and again, it might just be me. I've lived in New Orleans. I lived in Baltimore, which I love Baltimore. I promise you, I do. Scary place. <laughs> has black doctors, has black lawyers, has, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, I'm trying to think of a black community that does not have enough black doctors, black lawyers, and black teachers to make this happen. And you might be able to help me out. Like even Flint, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard. I'm, I'm sure there are smaller, much tinier black communities that don't have these things, but I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, it's not that you don't have a point. I'm just not, I'm struggling to come up with an example of it. That's all. Alex? Glad you, I'm glad you see my point. Um, I do want to say when we talk about these major cities, DC has a black medical school. Baltimore has a major medical school. Atlanta has a major black medical school. Houston has one of the largest medical districts in the country. Um, so yes, these major cities have access to black doctors because they have access to medical care. Um, but North Carolina, North Carolina I don't think Carolina might have a medical school, but Carolina is a very much white school. Um, North Carolina is one of those schools. In certain cities, major cities of North Carolina, so 
Durham is a predominantly black neighbor uh, city. Well, it used to be, it's not so much anymore. Um, and Raleigh and Charlotte a little bit too. So yes, you probably have access to black doctor, I mean, black um, healthcare there, but I live in Greensboro, the major area here. And as a black woman looking for black doctors, it's not exactly accessible as all the time. And it's not very, it's not a lot of them. There are some there, but there's not a lot of them. Um, regardless is that when we when we have this debate, I think a lot of times we look at these major cities, but that's just a, a fraction of the world and of the country. And we're looking at these other neighborhoods, you know, that we might not think about. And they, you know, okay, so we look at Atlanta, but we're not looking at, you know, the neighborhoods outside of Atlanta, because Atlanta is a very small portion of Georgia. Um, and so we have to look at it all as a, um, as a whole. Again, I am all for the idea of a black cocoon, but I think that there are things that need to be dealt with beforehand before that could be a viable and reality, a viable situation in a reality. Well, thank you, ladies. I feel as though the talk afterwards is about to be spicy. But before we jump into that, we do need to take a vote um, because there are two voters. If it results in a tie, I, Alana, as the host, will be stepping in to break that tie. So let's start with Lindsay. Who do you have a vote for? Do I just say my vote? Um, I can't. Yes. Are no, answer? not yet. We're going to ask you why, but you can't okay. answer that yet. <laughs> okay. Voting for Tiani. Tiani has one point. Hey. This is hard, honestly. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, my vote is also going to Tiani. Wow. I don't even have to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was trying to think, I should I make you the tiebreaker? I want to say no, wow. too late. Now, all right. Woo -woo, <laughs> all right we all did this. What the hell is this? I'm mad we all did We all did it at the same time. That means go. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. First, share your true opinion, whether you agree with your argument or not, and then give me, you know, some opinion as to what you had to say. So we'll start with Alex since Tiani started the argument. Um, to a do you agree I with do. your argument? Uh -huh. To a degree, I do. Um, I love the idea of a Black cocoon and being raised in the protection, everything that it brings, but I do think that there are things in the world that makes that not necessarily feasible for everyone. Um, and I kept thinking about like Tiani growing up in New Orleans, which was one of predominantly black culture. Um, and like your school was black and you know, the things you were around were black people. And so whereas, and I, and I say that because I didn't grow up around that. And so I grew up in a predominantly white school and you know, white, not white areas, um, like I had the black church and all of that, but my school was, was white. And so, um, 
I just think about the fact that sometimes it's not possible to get away from that. Like I lived in Chapel Hill, there was no black school option. It was, these were the schools, they were both white schools. And so sometimes it's just not, it's not feasible. I think that the thought of like, if I can do that, sure. Um, but I just think that there has to be a reality aspect of like, is that, you know, not saying it's not a good idea. I just don't know that it's always realistic. Yeah. Um, as Alex said, I don't think I ever appreciated New Orleans more until I moved to other places. Like people talk so bad about it. It's this, it's that, murder capital, whatever, whatever. But I mean, gosh, does it produce a strong black group of people? And I would wholeheartedly black cocoon any children I accidentally end up with. Like it would, it would, it would be intentional. <laughs> I thought y'all was gonna let that slide. Yeah, I thought we was just gonna, whoo, we was gonna let that go. Um, it would be intentional. And like I said, due to my experiences, like, and I didn't want to put this in my argument because I was trying my extreme hardest not to be racist. But the one year that I did go to school with white people, it wasn't worth it. Like the better education, the better, like we were exposed to a lot. Like I had never seen real drugs before. I had never heard about school shootings and actually having gun on campus. I had never heard about making bombs and stuff. Like never had people actually drunk on campus. Like it wasn't worth the sacrifices. And me and my mom just had a conversation about this about a month ago. Like I said, girl, kudos to you. I know you didn't mean it, but you you did good. You know what I'm saying? You did good in the schools that you put us in and and the people that you kept us around and the consistent support that we got. Like to this day, people still call and be like, ask my mama, how's Tiani doing? And people don't even know what I look like anymore. But you know what I'm saying? They still calling and how she doing? And she she all right over there. They don't even know why I stay. They think I still live in Baltimore. Like they just sweethearts from the church. I would, I would, I do believe what I was arguing. Um, and again, I, I would, I would wrap any child in a black cocoon minimum 10 years, minimum 10 years. After 10 or 12, by all means, let's go see the world. But I need you to know a little bit about you. I need, I need you to be poured into the way you can only be poured in through, to, through those three different institutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do agree with that. I do. Can, can, can I say why I voted yes now? Yeah, yes, yes. It goes perfectly. The reason I say yes to Tiani because she started off with how Black Cocoon supports building self-awareness, self-identity, just so much in regards to loving yourself as being Black. That's why I voted for that. Once you get into the the other things that were discussed, that's where you talk about socioeconomics and what you have access to. So for me, that was a different argument. The Black cocoon, to me, is just self-awareness, self-loving, everything Black. I love myself. And so when I was young, I started off in a Black community, right? All the way to middle school. So that's all I really knew. Black, Black, Black. Oh, yes. we. And I was still, but my parents had the opportunity to move me out of something. I'm not going to say better, but to move me to something 
that she thought was better. I'm so glad that now people can live in black communities and still get top tier or whatever, right? Back then, I feel like our parents were taught like white is right. And I feel like we've had this conversation before. So once I got to middle school, mom was like, oh no, we about to move. And we moved to a predominantly white neighborhood. And there it was just like, I grew up in black community. And like Alex said, once we moved, everything still was black besides school. But you don't realize you go to school for eight or more hours, right? So now you're surrounded by people that are different than you. And was what stuck with me, because I cried for two weeks and I wanted to move back with my grandma. I'm just like, I don't get this. These people ask me, do I play basketball? I never thought about basketball a day in my life. And mom was like, that's when we started having different conversations about stereotypes and different things. Like I didn't have to worry about that when I was growing up in the all black, you know, community. But my grandma told me this. She said, you're going to have to learn how to work with all kinds of people. So now that you're introduced to this, use it to your advantage. What are you going to learn? What are you going to take from it? And so I had to look at it as like, this is just teaching me more personable skills, how to be cultured in certain things, how to interact with certain people, which then you get into the, the what do you call it when you? Um, oh, switch. Oh, switch. Right. And people will tell, I hear teachers say that, baby, I know that's how we talk right here. But when you're doing an interview or when you're doing this, I need you to talk with the English vernacular, which is, good morning. My name is. You can't sit down in an interview and be like, what's up? You know, I'm here to talk about what I got to, like, you can't do that. And so that's when you get into code switching, which is another debate. But I, that's why I voted yes for Tiani. Because being in a black cocoon just builds so much within yourself, teaches you so much, and you learn all black people ain't, are not the same, right? They they aren't. We not. We may look had the same little shade, cappuccino, mocha, whatever, but we grew up differently. And I've definitely learned that. That was you learned it at Howard. Like you you learn about the diaspora, so many people from so many places. Yet we all look the same. But we are not the same at all. So I'll end with that. Paige, you want to chime in? <laughs> all right. I mean, no. So, um, okay. Oh. Lindsay basically <laughs> wrote down, I mean, said everything that I wrote down. Um, so it was the same statement from Tiani that immediately um, I was like, oh, She's on to something here. <laughs> um, now, Alex's argument, I also agree with, and I agree with it in 1965, which I believe is the reason that we worked or fought so hard for integration. But now that we, like everybody has already said, now that we are in a place where we don't, we're not getting textbooks that are three editions behind we're not walking into schools where the pipes are made out of lead or whatever I mean well whatever look we're not gonna go down ever <laughs> well you, so, you know Biden, you know what I'm Biden saying gave yeah. billions of dollars to fix that so, we so, have we'll access talk about that later. to more yeah. we have access to more is what I'm getting at and so um I think you both did great um 
what else did I have to say here? Okay, so I was also raised, um, I believe my mom did her best to do a black cocoon type of raising with me. And so this even went into like the toys that I played with. I was, I was dying for a Molly American Girl doll. And I was not allowed to get any American Girl doll until I got Addie. Addie. Addie, if you don't know, was a runaway slave. And like, I understand that she's black, but why would I want a slave doll, right? And then um, all of my doctors, my pediatrician, my dentist, my orthodontist, my dance teachers, my church, like everything was black. And I could not appreciate that again until I moved to Wisconsin. And now it's time for me to look for a doctor. And now I'm being told that I'm like two burgers away from obesity. <laughs> and if you know me, there is no obesity there. Let me say I'm not I lie for her. There is no obesity there. But you're I'm not being told a big all girl. types of foolishness. I'm not a big girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I have no ass. I have nothing. Okay. And so my point is that when you are placed in situations where people are judging you based off of standards that don't apply to your, um, what is the word? Is it archetype? Um, sure. It, it doesn't work. Okay. Google Google that. Google that because Alex wants to cut that out. Archetype. <laughs> That's wrong. Archetype seems right. It seems right. It's giving me architecture. <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking. So when, um, when you're going through things like that, or, or when you're, <laughs> when you go to a high school and people are telling you, oh, Paige, I act more black than you because I wear hoop earrings. And I have, you guys remember in like 05, 06, when they had the nameplate belts? Yes. I don't want that shit. <laughs> but now you're more black than me because you have one girl get the fuck on okay so it was not until I went to Howard where I was completely encapsulated in blackness that I I would consider myself being comfortable with me being black and I um I have had a lot of co-workers post-college come to me and make comments about well how are you going to you know learn how to interact with people in the real world but it's only because of the confidence that you build in an HBCU that you're able to go into a world and deal with people saying foolish shit to you in the office or at the store or whatever so um thank you ladies <laughs> so the whole time I'm torn so I'm glad I didn't have to vote because I don't know I don't know I'm torn on the topic because I'm thinking more holistic and I feel like growing up in the DMV or growing up in like I grew up in Delaware it's a lot of black people but it ain't enough it's not like a- to it's it's no like 
all black communities. You know what I mean? Like you're always going to be mixed with mm-hmm. mainly white people, mm-hmm. some Hispanic, but mainly white people, right? And so like all the schools are like that and it's just the ratio is going to go up or down. Teachers, black teachers specifically, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have a black teacher um, until I went to Howard. Wow. Like I, I didn't know, like, okay, I'm sorry, excuse me, take that back. I did have a black teacher, my mother. Mm-hmm. I so that's why I don't be down and caring like that. No, I'm don't not. I'm not. She's, everybody in you know who has had her as a teacher loves her, and they still be asking me about that lady. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like that was my black teacher experience, and that was my mother. So to me, it didn't count because I live with you, lady. Like, <clears throat> making a mistake, and now I'm joking. But um. Yeah, like, I appreciated the fact that she was that to someone, you know what I mean? But, like, to me, I felt like I never got that. And so that was my main push to go to an HBCU. Thank God it was Howard. But regardless, I think that was the main thing. Like, I knew I was going to HBCU regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom is the one who has had the mentality, mentality of mixing us with other people. Go ahead, Alex. No, no, no. Keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you right. had a comment on what I said? Okay. Um, my mom is the one who has always had the mentality of mixing us with other people. And so that's why, like, I told you, like, all the schools, it's just ratio. You know what I mean? Is it going to be more Black people or less Black people? And so she's always been like, yeah, one, I'm a teacher and I'm looking at test scores. And the schools that more black people went there the test scores she was not approving us to choice or go or bus whatever to that school you know what I mean so like in our in our neighborhood the school district that we would have been going to for high school with all the other kids she was like we're not doing that so me and my brother went to different high schools and so I get why she did what she did um but she also, I mean, my dad worked in Philly. She didn't want to live in a Black neighborhood. And I don't know what that was about, but I feel like I have adopted some of that thought process. And for no reason, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't tell you why I wouldn't want to live here versus here. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like your kids can't go to a different school or you can't put them in a specific school that you want them to go to. That's, it's not like that isn't an option. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm on the fence because I'm still figuring out my perspective on raising kids now that I have one and what type of environment I want him to live in. Yes, I want him to know Black people and I want him to interact. You know what I mean? But even our household is a melting pot as far as, you know, um, his first cousins who are a year older than him are half black and half Mexican. Mm-hmm. If you looked at them, you'd be like, do they have black in them? You know what I mean? Like, but it, it's going to be a melting pot of a family regardless. But I just want my children to have a well-rounded experience. Not saying they can't get that if they live in an all-black community, you know what I mean, in that black cocoon versus growing up how I did. But it's just a hard balance to strike to me. You know what I mean? Like, as to what's right and what's wrong. But I will say one thing. 
that besides my OB, who is not Black, but she is my biggest advocate, and I will never leave that lady. After I had Rhodes, I realized she is my biggest advocate. Um, but besides her, having Black healthcare providers, unmatched. Like, we, we doing that. Is your OB um, white, Alana? Yeah, she's white. Oh, I didn't know if she was another, but, another ethnicity. No, she's white. Um, but when I first started going to her, you know, a lot of the talk was about Black women dying. Yes. And so she brought it up to me. Yeah. She initiated the conversation with me. And it took me back because I was trying to figure out how to bring it up to her and what her approach would be as I'm going through this pregnancy. Because I was, I was high risk my entire pregnancy. I had high blood pressure. And so I was at risk for developing preeclampsia. And she just, to me, like she was on everything. Things I had questions about, things I was worried about. She was addressing with me before I could even ask my questions. You know what I mean? So at the end of the appointment, they're usually like, okay, do you have any questions? And I'm scrolling through my phone, like, um, let me see what else I got. You know what I mean? Because we've already discussed it. We've already talked about it. She's already made me comfortable. She knew I didn't want to immediately have a C-section. You know what I mean? But once you stop dilating, I mean, honestly, your health is at risk and so is the baby's. You know what I mean? And I went four or five hours without dilating anymore. And she was like, this is what we have to do. But also with the pain tolerance, that shit I learned is real as hell because I got an epidural and my first epidural did not take. And I was still in pain. And they give you this little thing that you can hit and it'll give you another boost of, you know, the medicine um, within a certain amount of time. They'll, they'll still give you an extra boost. And I'm like, yo, I'm still feeling these contractions. Like y'all ain't just stab me in my spine. And the nurse is like, well, I mean, how many times did you hit the button? You know what I mean? Like as if I wasn't feeling what I was feeling. And I'm like, yo, sis, like I don't feel a difference. Like I feel like I should be riding the wave in this chair and really I could get up and walk around and figure out my contractions myself you know what I mean so it was just the fact that she was just like I mean you'll probably have to wait till the next hour for your next dose pretty much you know what I mean versus actually listening to me and recognizing that my shit didn't take so I don't know it's just a lot but it's also your perspective changes once you are put in those environments where you know black people are here to take care of you so that's again I'm here on the fence. I'm still figuring it out myself. But I want to yeah. go back to the white doctor just being aware of black women's situations because I don't know if y'all do this, but I do this whenever I interact with somebody of a different race. I, during a conversation, of course, you're like, when, when you meet new people, you're analyzing everything, you're listening to what they're saying. I always go like, damn, I could tell your culture, right? And for us, they'll say like, oh, you must have hung out with white people or stuff. No, when I meet somebody white and they can tell me different perspectives and I feel like they're not just riding a culture wave, like they truly get it, is when they start talking about their experiences or you can feel their empathy, like when you start talking about things. It's not just the overall like face value type thing. Gloss over, yeah. They have experienced a lot of things and they have worked with a lot of different people and they come from a diverse background, which I yeah. so appreciate when I meet people. Like, you probably like, how can you tell that? Like, you can tell when somebody has just been involved in different 
aspects of life, which I value so much. So if I ever meet you and you ain't black and I say, damn, you culture, that is like so much respect from me because I can tell that you have just interacted with so many different types of people, walks of life, and you truly just value hum humanity, right? Yeah. And so I think that's so key when, you, when you're dealing with people of other races. Yeah. So I just want to clarify something. Um, so for one, when I was doing like research on this argument, so I think, so in my mind, my, the first thing that popped in my head was the idea, I think either Lindsay or Lana brought up was like, or maybe, I don't know, somebody said it was like this idea or the argument people have of like, well, how are you going to operate in non-Black environments if you've been around Black people your whole life? which I don't agree with that mentality. So I didn't want to go that route. That's why I went kind of the socioeconomic route. Mm -hmm. So I want to clarify for the listeners, I am a thousand percent in favor of being surrounded in an environment that is looks like me, that is black and is supportive. I think that's amazing. Um, and that is a big reason of why I went to Howard. I went to Howard because I had been in predominantly white schools my entire life. Um, and so I had never been around my people all day, all the time, ever. Um, and so there is a different level of love and support. You even get it in a collegiate level. Like um, I was talking to my mother the other day. I remember one time I was late to a final in college and I literally had a professor call me like, where are you? Why are you late to this final? But like caring, like get your ass here. Like you got 10 minutes to get here before you be in trouble. You know, but like at a PWI, I'd have just failed. Um, yeah. so there is a different level of love and support, even from a medical standpoint. Um, I think growing up, most of my doctors were white. Um, like my pediatrician was a white lady, but to like Alana's point, she, I could tell she recognized the fact that we were black. Like she was my pediatrician, my sister's pediatrician. She's my nephew's pediatrician. Like she has been with our family all these years. So she's, she supports us and she's taking care of us mm -hmm. as needed to. And so there is that. Um, I think the one thing, and I still believe when I say said that I believed part of my argument, the one thing I still think we have to consider is, and not to be like the pessimist in it, but is like the reality of whether that is possible everywhere. And kind of like what Alana said. So like I went to the high school I went to because realistically it was the better school like the opportunities and access that school had was the better school, not because it was the white school, but from an economic standpoint, that school had money. It was in a, it was in a higher um, tax bracket, like, like Chapel Hill in itself is kind of a bubble. Um, so a lot of their professors is they're just paid more. So it's, it's just a better school. It just so happens to be, it's a very white school. Um, and so Sometimes I just, I think we have to realize sometimes the idea of being in all black spaces all the time from an educational standpoint, it's not always feasible. Now that black cocoon outside of school, the church, I was in a black Girl Scout troop. So we went to Durham to be in Girl Scouts so I could be in a black Girl Scout troop. I was in a black church. I was in black activities. That's how my mother made sure. So that's why I say sometimes yeah. it has to be segmented. That's where my mother got my black cocoon from. Yeah. When North Carolina Central had programs, I was at Central at their programs. That's why I knew about HBCUs. You know, when when they were having stuff, I would be on Central's campus all the time. You know, so I saw 
you know, educated, professional Black people. I saw Black lawyers and doctors, and I knew that those were, you know, feasible. Even when I would go to programs at Carolina, Carolina had like a Black union group or whatever, and those Black kids would throw programs for high school students. So I would go to Carolina school around a bunch of Black kids being thrown on by Black college students who were at this white institution. So I still saw that. And so that's why I do, in that sense, agree with Tiani. I think it is critical because that's why I believed I could be a Black engineer. I could be a Black doctor. I could be a Black whatever because I saw them. You know, I saw these yeah. smart Black kids. I had no desire yeah. to be a lawyer, but I could. I had seen these things. And I think that's where that Black cocoon comes from, um, of seeing these people like, oh, you can be this, you know, because um, I see you doing it and they look just like me and they from where I'm from. And so I think in that regard, that's why it's critical. Um, so I do support Definite Kukun. Real, real quick, because I, I missed that point when I was going on my tirade, but like there, I was on the fence between, you know, the two arguments only because with it not being feasible in all locations around the U.S., what is feasible? Baby, there's a A.M.E. Church. That's the church I went to. <laughs> if you don't know if that's blackity black, 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 okay. Like, that's where my that. Girl Scout was. That's where my <laughs> yeah. Girl Scout troop was. We did Girl Scouts at A.M.E. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that church and everything. Like, so if even if where you live doesn't necessarily have the access to a specific black pediatrician or a black dentist or something like that, there are ways where you can engulf your children and engulf your family mm -hmm. in black culture you know what I mean and it not necessarily be an all-black school or your you know the caregivers are all black but I think that helps yeah I think We're still getting that love and care and security and affection with and it's everything else it is. yeah and and that is absolutely important and I, I like how y'all said that the black cocoon looks different everywhere yeah. that you are yeah. and definitely different depending on your socioeconomic status and what your parents can provide for you or you'll mm -hmm. end up with a bunch of Stacey dashes okay Jesus. I, wow I also appreciate <laughs> that um we are now recognizing how important it is to be around people that look like you versus um, like level of education. And what I mean by that is, okay, this test scores at this school, school A might be, you know, 97 percentile, but your kid's going to have so much more trauma going there versus going yeah. to a school where they're in the 85 percent title but they are at least you know one of 35 percent black um and i looking back on it also didn't understand it at the time but okay so i went to elementary school in pg county and we had a lot of black kids whose adoptive parents were white and so I appreciate the effort there, which might not have even been effort because this, this is not hard to do in PG County, um, like in terms of finding a school with a bunch of black kids. But um, yeah, that like seeing white parents with black kids was not unusual. I actually got a lot of my points from a book that was written to white parents on how to raise black kids. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So like a lot of my points came from that. And if they are telling this to white people, why don't black people believe it for themselves? Mm-hmm. That was that was one of my things. Um, but yeah. I also did not realize what a luxury it was to grow up in black excellence. So like the conversation these past few weeks is like, what is swag? What is swag? I grew up watching swag, right? Like we grew up at the Bayou Classic every year. So I was always around educated blacks. Like these people had college degrees. Did they cut a fool at Bayou Classic? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I understood <laughs> the balance there. But I like in preparation for this, I spoke to some of my coworkers. And like one of my coworkers went to high school. Um, he went to a white Catholic high school in Chicago. And because he was such a great athlete, he went to a white college. And he had never had all black everything. Like he had never been to an all black school. Um, only when he was in elementary school in Jamaica. Like, but when he moved to the United States, they wrapped him in white and it made a difference. Like he is, and I say this with the utmost respect and if if it sounds racist, just cut it. He is a white man whisperer. Like he really is magnificent in navigating our bosses. Like I just, it's amazing. Like he, he, yeah. And he ended up golfing with them and all types of stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, so he has skills that I do not have and I do not wish to acquire, but he has no idea. Like, mind you, I've talked to him the past four or five years, so his daughter will be attending Howard University. Like, um, we, we, me, his wife, the little girl, she gonna go play volleyball at Howard University, who apparently now has a magnificent volleyball program. Um, but he didn't understand that until started getting around other black people who had to explain it on a consistent basis and so it's very possible for you to grow up and never experience black excellence i i I had no idea that's why i I love working where i work like kids are black excellence i don't care what a circumstance is right but they're seeing something different when they come to school that's also why I'm so pro HBCU and why my mother was so big on being at HBCU, especially for me and my sister, because we grew up in white environments. I'm not going to lie to y'all. When I got to Howard, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I, had, again, I had never been in an all-Black space in my life. Like, I've been to church, but like all-Black everything all day long. All day. It was a lot. <laughs> all day. And I'm talking about like, not you know ratchet black but these is highly intelligent black people from all over the country different personalities i didn't know how to navigate that and all I over think the world the difference is that all over the world huh all, over the, all world. over the world yeah world. it's the yes. quantity it's the and quantity. so the difference is that i had gotten really good at navigating being the only black so being like the smart mm-hmm. black girl and that's that in itself is a different navigation that you kind of do have to have in life because mm-hmm. when you get in corporate a lot of times you're still the only black I have been quite often I am right now at work mm-hmm. um and so I knew how to navigate that but what I didn't know how to navigate was around my own peers because that's not my battle anymore it's not that I'm the only black girl no more now we all smart we all here we all brilliant so now I need to, it forced me to navigate my personal self. Okay, I need to know who I am mm-hmm. in this space because my identity had become the smart black girl. Well, now we all the smart black girls. Right. So who else are you? 
And so that was the difference. I think that black spaces give you, it gives you the safety of not having to worry about physical safety. These people care about me and now you're forced low key. It's, it's a form of therapy because it forces you to understand who you are on a deeper level. Like, okay, we all look the same. You know, we have different stories of how we got here, but you know, we all recognize this black struggle. So for the next four years, I don't have to think about that black struggle when I'm here. So what else do I battle? Like, what else are my things? What else, how, who, how do I identify myself? And I think like, I know people, everyone says Howard alone were annoying and that's fine. But I just, I think we cannot overemphasize the effect that those, that experience had on us and who we have become um, and allowing us to be the confident specifically the confident black women that we are because we were able to grow and manifest in this safe space mm-hmm. surrounded by people who gave a damn so it really makes a difference shout out to howard lizzie are you about to say something i was just going to say it goes back to Paige's point well for me i connected with Paige just being like oh so there are other black girls who talk a little proper when they have things to say or they t- like i used to get told Lindsay Rutledge, you know, when they uh, call your name, they're looking for a white girl. But I got to Howard. There are other girls named Lindsay. Now, I may not be spelled like mine. You know, we get a little fancy when we get to the spelling. <laughs> but it's still pronounced Lindsay. So it's like, I'm not the only Black Lindsay in the world. Like, there are other Black girls in my name. So um, when I decided to go to Howard, or yeah, specifically Howard, um, one of the comments that I kept getting from older Black people was, well, you know, you're about to leave that school being so arrogant because all Howard alumni are like super arrogant. And I now realize it's not arrogance. We're just very comfortable in our Blackness. Mm. And because even when you go to, let's just say FAMU, uh, for example, it's a state school, even though it's still at HBCU. So, you know, whatever percentage of people are going to be from Florida. So they're still going to culturally be the same, if that makes sense what I'm saying. Whereas at Howard, you can literally find any type of Black person that you want, right? And so people think about diversity as being ethnicity or nationality but there's so much more to it like there's the punk kids there's the anime kids there's the band kids there's the theater kids there's the party kid like and they're not the black kids right they're the whatever type of kids and so I really think that our arrogance and that's an air quotes for those of you listening (laughs) arrogance is just self-confidence I would just like to quote the great coach Deion Sanders when he said, don't let my confidence offend your insecurity. Exactly. I'm not arrogant, we're confident. Yeah, I have yet to meet. Time and time again. I have yet to meet someone who graduated from an HBCU with a lack of confidence. And this includes FAMU, Southern University, A&T, Morehouse Spelman, they they walk different. They talk different. Like we do walk in the room like we belong there because we've had professors we and do. other people pour into. Like I know what I I know that I know and I know it. 
So you're not going to be able, you, you can take many, many things, but you cannot take my intelligence. You will never have my sauce. Okay. Like, even if you can do what I can do, you won't, you won't do it with the sauce I do it with. Mm -hmm. you, you don't. And, and we, that was poured directly into us in a number of different ways by a number of different people. So, uh, send your children HBC. Use. Uh, I know everybody can't go to Howard, but, but you know, if, if they're the best of the best, they'll make it too. Um, okay, and so more importantly, from sending your children to HBCU, alumni, please give back to your HBCU. I'm a okay. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> Let's start uh, writing those checks. Successful Black people. Okay. Woo! Yes. Checks if Uncle Joe go ahead and clear these loans out. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> simple. That's a fact. That's a fact. Y'all, I just want to strike a balance. I want my children to be well-rounded, you know, and be able to play golf, but also play baseball at Gresham Park. If you know where Gresham Park is. Baseball? Okay. I, I don't know, but Howard now has a you know, they they have all the they have all the all the all the sports, football. All right, football at head. Gresham Park. Are you Spectrum sport. <laughs> Shout out to Steph Curry. You know, kids for, play football for bringing back Howard University's golf team. He put oh, his money yeah. into Howard University's golf team. Thank you, Mr. Steph Curry. Um, I heard they're actually pretty good now. Oh, well, look at that! Like excellence dripping. Yeah, just be grateful. That's, that's the that's the thing. Like Alana said, well-rounded. Yes. Period. I want them to thrive in all situations. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they need a cower back or a can you get something? I'm about to say, is somebody baking cookies? I'm about to say, what's for dinner? <laughs> Alana wrapped this up. All right, y'all. This was an excellent debate. I really appreciate the open discussion part as well. But as we close out this episode, all of you listeners, please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. We not on Twitter, but we individually on Twitter. You feel me? So you can tweet us. You can, you can, don't tweet you. Okay. So um, those who do not have the visual, don't tweet them. Never mind. I take it back. I've tried to keep us well-rounded. Um, we are on Apple Music. I mean, Apple Podcasts. Apple Music. <laughs> we on different platforms, goddammit. So just make sure on you, Spotify you follow Geo. us. We on Spotify, you know. Just comment. in the description. Let us know what y'all think. What, what are your opinions about this Black cocoon as well? So have a good one. Peace. Peace. And don't shorten the word to <laughs> me.